Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, July 25th, 2021, is entitled Drops in the Bucket. It's a reflection on a reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministry at the Congregational Church of Needham, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our reading today comes from the New Testament, from the letters of the early church, the epistles, from the letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let's listen together for a living word from God for us in these words from Ephesians, chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before God, our parent, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes their name. I pray that, according to the riches of that glory, God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Holy Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all God's holy ones what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of the divine. Now to the one who, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. To that one be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may have run across the phrase, May you live in interesting times. And chances are, if you have, it's likely you've also heard that phrase described as an ancient Chinese curse. Though, in actuality, there is no actual Chinese source material to ever back this up. More likely, It's one more product of the not-so-ancient Victorian era's fascination with and fetishization of Asian cultures, or more properly, fantasies of Asia in Europe and the West. Yet despite its fabricated provenance, as a curse, it still works. May you live in interesting times. You can hear, you can feel the irony dripping from that word, interesting. Not peaceful, not comfortable, not easy, but interesting. And to be clear, that's not interesting like scientists discover lost continent of Atlantis, but more like 
Scientists say rising seas could menace millions beyond coastlines. By the way, that's an actual headline from the year of our Lord 2020, that undeniably most interesting of recent years. I remember way back in about 2006, I was leading a retreat for the church I was serving at the time. It had been a rough year, a rough several years, in fact. I'll leave it to you to cast your mind back, both in the life of the world and in the life of our particular congregation. So as part of our time together, in the spirit of black author and activist James Baldwin, who said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. In that spirit, I worked with that congregation to produce a timeline of terrible events, beginning with the September 11 attacks in 2001 and our disastrous responses as a nation and all the implications of those things for our world. I won't rehearse that list here, you don't need me to do that, but suffice it to say, it was sort of stunning to see it all written down on that long strip of butcher paper tacked to the wall on one side of the room. And did I say stunning? I meant it was utterly and completely overwhelming to name it all, write out loud all the wars and rumors of war, the famine and disease, the political upheaval, the economic distress, and all the grief and anxiety, the trauma we were carrying as a result in our minds and in our hearts and in our bones. It was overwhelming, and yes, thank God, oddly cathartic, to see it all up there. And it was the beginning of us getting our minds and our arms wrapped around all the issues involved, or at least rearranging ourselves to better bear that burden. And then, lo and behold, 2020 came along and said, ha, hold my beer. Which isn't fair, really. It's not all 2020's fault. We can't ignore the role all of these intervening years, and in particular, these prior four years played in teeing up our current contemporary apocalypse. But here we are, 17 months later, seemingly lifetimes later. Again, I'm not going to name everything we have endured and are still enduring in this moment. Instead, if you need a dirty laundry list, I refer you to a YouTube video called This Year's Still a Dumpster Fire, a parody of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. And I recommend it to you with a caveat that despite being an October 2020 update on the April 2020 original video, it is already way out of date here in July 2021. Aw, murder hornets. Remember them? 
add to all these present-day challenges the visceral, existential anxiety we are facing as we revisit and revise the stories of our past, as we pull back the curtain to reveal the white supremacy that has inflected and infected our narrative as a nation, that has quite literally poisoned the lives of indigenous and black and brown folks, and still does today, that poisons even as it privileges the lives of white folk, folk like me. And well, layer all of that on top of the ordinary, extraordinary challenges of everyday life, of how do I make a living, how do I raise a family, how do I be a good person, and more to the point for us here today, how do I be a good Christian one who's called to follow in the footsteps of Christ and transform the world and usher in God's reign of justice, peace, and compassion. And, well, it can be overwhelming understatement of the age. What can I do? What can I do? so small in the grand scheme of things? What can I do about racism in the past or the present? Or about the climate crisis, about flooding in Europe and wildfires in the West? Or about the political crisis that persists and the economic divide that only deepens in our nation? What can I do about the virus washing over us, over the entire world, wave after wave, from sea to shining sea. What can I do except the very least that I can do and get myself vaccinated? What can I do? Despite my relative privilege, I know. What can I do? I am just one person. I am just a drop in the bucket. Friends, at this point, feel free to raise the hands of your heart if that feels familiar. May you live in interesting times. I hope you'll pardon me when I say, screw interesting. But then I remember, I am not alone. You are not alone. We may all just be drops in the bucket, but we are all drops in the bucket, if you get my meaning, together. More correctly, I am reminded of this because I myself find it difficult to remember this from day to day, but thankfully there are people who are willing to remind me. I am reminded that we are not alone, that we in this present moment are not alone in this present moment, or indeed we are not alone across the sweep of history with this feeling on our hearts that in a very real way the world, as we have known it, is coming to an end. I am reminded of this by the Apostle Paul and the letters of the early church, like this letter to the Ephesians from which our reading comes today. I am reminded that so many 
others. A great cloud of witnesses, in fact, has been this way before, has struggled with exactly these same questions, with what to do and how to do it. They have wondered, like us, what, if anything, they could do as small as they were. Drop, drop, drops in the bucket. Paul reaches out from his own place of challenge, from his own place of literal imprisonment by imperial authorities, by the way, to remind the members of the church at Ephesus that they are not alone, that he remembers them. And his remembering them should be a sign for them that God remembers them. God, the heavenly parent in whom they and every other drop and drip and drab of the whole entire human family is made a family. God remembers. So when they feel insignificant, Paul reminds them that they are children of God together. When they feel small, God reminds them that the arms of God are big enough to hold them all together. When they are feeling isolated, Paul reminds them that they are connected together. When they feel weak and ineffectual, Paul reminds them that they are, in fact, gifted and blessed with power from the Holy Spirit together. Because, friends, there's no denying the truth. It is true. By ourselves, individually, we cannot overcome all the challenges we face. No matter our desire or our passion or our sense of urgency or our faith. No matter how much we educate ourselves, no matter how much we donate, no matter how much we march, no matter how woke we may believe ourselves to be, the truth remains that a house divided against itself will fall. And when we are divided, when we are cut off from one another, when we cut ourselves off or cut others off from the human family, when we are stuck siloed behind the walls of our own individual lived experiences alone and of our ideologies, we will fail. Our house divided will fall. That's true. But that's precisely the point where Paul's prayer finds us and wishes us to open our eyes and our hearts. To open our eyes and our hearts to the breadth and length and height and depth, the very fullness of God, which we were created to hold together. The fullness of all who we can be and what we can do together The fullness of God that manifests not in us individually, but in us all together. After all, we may just be drops in the bucket, but there are an awful lot of us. And an awful lot of drops working together are what turn the turbines that light our world. 
And an awful lot of drops working together are what carve canyons and shape continents. An awful lot of us working together can transform the world and usher in God's reign. But only together. So instead of a laundry list of insurmountable individual tasks to be ticked off one by one or more realistically left undone, we really have before us just this one task. To love our neighbors as ourselves. As Jesus and so many other spiritual teachers have taught us. Or, to put it in more modern language, to end isolation and overcome barriers to build relationship. To know ourselves and to live as one family. One family, one body, with many members. Through this lens... The differences don't go away, but they don't divide us either. The differences between me and you and my family and your family, between our community and that one over there, between our nation and all the others, the difference between my species and all the other species, again, they don't go away, but they don't keep us from knowing ourselves as one family all together where my struggles, my daily struggles, are seen alongside your daily struggles and the struggles of all our neighbors, even our strangers, even those who set themselves up and who we ourselves call our enemies. We understand ourselves to be a we. I was reminded of this point, not only by the Apostle Paul in our reading this week, but also by the Apostle and Prophet, the Reverend Tracy Blackman, who serves as the Associate General Minister for Local Church and Justice Ministries in our United Church of Christ denominational family. I had the good fortune, I was blessed, let's call it what it is, to hear Tracy speak this past week as part of our General Synod the biannual national meeting of our United Church of Christ. And she was making exactly this point in starting in such a lowly and little place, grammar. She reminded us that over and over again in the Bible and particularly in the Gospels and in these letters of the early church, when we hear about you, 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 you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You are the body of Christ. You are a holy temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That you isn't just you, singular. It's you, y'all, to reclaim a word from my Texas upbringing. So useful. Y'all are the light of the world. Y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are a temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, you all, all of you all together are one family, the body of Christ. And she talked about our need, particularly in this present moment, to reclaim that we. And she quoted... Malcolm X, a quote that I had never heard before, but that was seared on my brain, a quote I want to share with you today. It is so succinct as to be almost silly, but so important. Malcolm X, liberator, prophet, 
activist is reported to have said, even illness becomes wellness when you add a we. Listen to that again. Spell it out in your head. Even illness becomes wellness with a we. I want you to remember that. I want to underline that and double highlight that for you today. And so I am going to do something I have never done before in more than 20 years of preaching ministry. I am going to show you something. And this is it. Yep, I'm doing it. Don't look away. Friends, I give you a we to take home with you today. A note to our audio listeners, at this point, Reverend Gage has unbuttoned his shirt to reveal a black t-shirt with the word we written in great big white letters. I'm willing to bet you'll remember, at least for a little while. I am a drop in the bucket. We are an ocean of faith and transformation. I can do so very little, but we can change the world. And so I want to close this sermon today with this prayer that the Apostle Paul uses to close his passage from Ephesians today. Paul prayed for the church then and praise for the church now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now to the one who by the power at work within us. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this passage. And yet this stuck out to me in a different way this week. To the one who by the power at work within us. Not just me. Not just you. Not just those people over there. The power at work within us. To the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. Let that sink in. To the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or even imagine. To that one be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Friends, in other words, to the degree that we live into the we that is our inheritance from Christ by whom and through whom we are adopted into the everlasting family of the living God through the power of this we. God is at work doing more than we can ask or even imagine. Take that we home with you today and put it to work. And so, friends, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, Remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.